Gosh, this is so awesome, man. I never in a million years thought something like this would happen. Out of turn number four come the most powerful weight models on the planet, the world of outlaws. I call Scott my dad, and uh, <laughs> nothing like the best in the business, breathing down your throat your first outlaw in. Ah, uh, yes. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 30 of Stick Signals. My name's Ruben Morales, alongside Mick and Mike, which I'll introduce here in just a little bit. Thank you all so much for stopping on in and joining us on Stick Signals, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws, Morton Building's Late Model Series, and Dirt Car Racing. A lot to catch up on. Episode 29, two weeks ago, when we talked about going down south, we're going to recap the three races we went down to Cherokee, Livonia, and Volunteer. Fun weekend. And obviously, last week, we are sorry. But man, Tuesday was a travel day for a lot of our outlaw officials that work the dirt car events at Eldora. And uh, the worlds were absolutely amazing. And everyone was super busy. But we're back this week. After a week off, we have a lot to talk about. Mick, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Um, got to watch a lot of racing last weekend. <laughs> so, uh yeah, excited to finally break down those Southern races for the World of Outlaws, too. Yeah, I feel like there was definitely no break at all. Like, it felt like speed weeks, yes. you know what I mean? Like, it was just constant race after race after race. It was really, really cool to have that. And obviously, it's good for our sport to to have racing as uh, the fall season starts to come. And we know the, the off season is near. But anyway, um, Mike, how are you? I'm good. And I was at all of those races. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm feeling the hangover a little bit still today after got to enjoy myself on Sunday, though, going to a NFL, my first NFL game. So had a little bit of fun with that. But, you know, it, it was after a few days of racing, it was good to take a little bit of a break. You, and you got to go. You saw the Vikings, right? You're yeah. a Vikings fan. Yes. How, how did you become a Vikings fan from the Northeast? So my uncle was a Packers fan. And I just wanted to root against them when I was eight years old. <laughs> That's perfect. You know, I, I don't like many green teams. <laughs> Ruben. So uh, <laughs> he's an Eagles fan, and I'm yeah, still, yeah, I'm yeah. still salty my, about my, 2018. My, my team won. It's okay. Yeah, we know. Anyway. Anyway, I'll tell you what, the, the late model uh, fans won because what a great weekend this weekend. But guys, let's go ahead and touch first on the World of Outlaws uh, back at Cherokee. This feels like it happened like a century ago. <laughs> like It's not well, just yeah, me, but kind of uh, did. <laughs> it, it did not. You're like, you know, over, yes. Yeah, like we awarded $40,000 uh, at Cherokee Speedway and uh, obviously Brandon Overton. I mean, and then he goes and wins the world again, like uh, well, not again, I should say, but wins another crown jewel event at Eldora. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What an amazing run in year for Overton. But let's start with this Cherokee race. And I'll tell you, the Rock Hall Memorial, first of all, the fans really packed in the place. Yeah, like that you, place you was could packed. not. Whether it was in the, I mean, Ruben and I had to, you know, fight to move in the infield, let alone, yep. you know, up in the stands, that's for sure. But if you would have told me at the beginning of that race that Kyle Larson would have started on the pole and not have won, yeah. I would have said you were yeah. crazy. Well, guess who was wrong? Because he not only did he get passed by Jonathan Davenport, then Davenport go, gets passed by Overton for the win, and Overton used the outside to his advantage. And I'll tell you what, that, that was one of the best races I've seen, you know, just the chess match all year. And then, you know, wondering if the tires were going to hold up at the end of the race was another thing. That was the thing. It, it came down to a bit of a strategy game. I actually made it down to watch the feature just in time. I saw that. We, uh, we got a wild hair and uh, decided to drive down to Cherokee there about um, – I think the street stocks or something were running. We we texted JC and JC said, "Yeah, you'll make it." We got there right as they were rolling out for the uh, for the feature, and I could not make it to the infield. <laughs> there was too many people, and the and the gate was closed. But yeah, it was a good race, man. And it came down to strategy and and um, tire management, man, which is something that 
we're seeing more and more in the late model world and and you know with the tire thing i think that's just going to be part of the future well that's the thing with Cher cherokee too though is it's always a yeah. tire management race especially when it's you get north of 50 laps it's you got to save that right rear and that's key and you know Overton even told me after the race was over, you know, he was worried once he saw, you know, JD go down with a tire issue and a few of those guys. It's like, all right, how long, how much longer is this going to hold up? Yeah. And, and Mick, you talked about it. Like you come from asphalt and you said, when I first came to dirt, like these guys sipe and groove tires, like what is all this? Like at Davenport, we saw the same thing too. Cause obviously we talk about the tire shortage and like these guys are only allowed a certain amount of tires on race day at Davenport. They weren't blistering, but there was only a certain line in the tire that was blistering because they'd over sipe or over groove. And mm -hmm. like down to Cherokee, that's exactly what it came down to. I talked to a lot of guys there and uh, obviously we used the hardest tire that we could possibly use. Like that's the hardest tire uh, we've used and it's good because they last longer distance in races and it was a great tire choice for Cherokee, but it all came down to siping and grooving management and it's just wild. Like I really wanted to look at Overton's right rear and as soon as I walk up to the car in victory lane, they covered it like yeah. quickly yeah. and it came down to the, you know, the patterns of siping and grooving, how deep did they cut? That's also a big thing. So uh, yeah, hats off to them and Overton said it in his interview, like I could have drove it more. Like he just, felt so comfy and man he's just a wheel man so i'm interested about that you said that there that the tires blistered where there was a when where people siped it where there was mm -hmm. a particular groove does yeah. that is that because of that flex adds, adds more heat to that part of the tire is that what yes, makes that blister maybe? deeper yep okay yep the deeper you mm -hmm. cut obviously it's going to happen because it splits more it splits more so the tire is creating more motion so then you're getting more um more heat friction but more heat there yeah more cool. friction yeah yeah basically w w the reason they sipe and, and there's different sciences if they go forward or side or groove front to side like front to back is to cool the tire off a little bit side to side is to create more friction uh, there's a bunch of other strategies too but like uh, the deeper you cut, obviously, the more the tire is going to flex and the more the rubber is going to stretch. And when it stretches more, obviously, it starts to starts yep. to blister. And we noticed that at Davenport, just with one one line right around the tire and the rest of the tire is good, um, you know, but oh, well, that happens. And yeah, tire strategy. It's, it's a it's a science and it's definitely an interesting one. Now, that, that race, you know, Chris Madden also had a great run, ended up pulling into second, which was big for him in that feature. It was a much-needed, you know, real top three finish. Or it was one of the two times he finished in the top mm -hmm. three that weekend. But, you know, it really got him trying to get back with some momentum. And it just, you know, it, he just didn't have enough to get to Overton. He said the tire just wasn't, you yeah. know, he used up his stuff having to drive up from the front because I think he, he didn't have as good of a qualifying effort as he was hoping for at Cherokee which kind of put him behind the eight ball on there. That'll do it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of guys would be of note. Brandon Shepard has trouble in a heat race, has to take a provisional, something we haven't seen in a long time. That's right. Drives it up to the top 10. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know? yeah. At the end of the race, I thought, man, Madden probably made a big dent in the points there because I hadn't really not paid that much attention to Shepard. I was watching the front. I'm like, oh, man, Madden, you know, second place. And I know I knew Brandon was running back there in 20th or something. And then I saw a 10th. I'm like, I mean, the guy, that's what he does, right? Like, he he overcomes adversity and with a calm mind just makes his way up and quietly has a top 10 finish. And that literally with four laps to go, I look down at my race monitor and Shepard's like 18th. And now keep in <laughs> mind, between lap one with one to go and four to go, there was probably like five cautions. And next thing you know, Shepard's and I look down and I'm like, what? He finished 10th? Like, what? He was just like 18th and 20th, like five laps ago. <laughs> it's just unreal 
big, big comeback by the one team. And that's why they're so good. Because uh, obviously, even not on their consistent nights, they know how to come back and still manage to make it a good night. They do. And one guy I want to give a shout out to to the top five run was Trent Ivey. Yes. Yep. Great, great run by him. You know, he, he's done well. That's actually a second top five at Cherokee with the Outlaws. Now, granted, back in March, it was a split field. But, hey, it's a still top five finish either way you look at it. And uh, Jimmy Owens ended up finishing third in that race. Just want to say that Kyle Larson got a top five. It's not really that shocking when you think about yeah. it. But, but that was Kyle's first run at Cherokee. And I think, he, you know, a lot of people were expecting him. And the place would have... The doors would have been blown off that place if he had won. No oh, question about yeah. it. But he'll take the top five. I thought it was funny. You know, he he talked about um, fans hanging over the wall. Um, I was at home watching on Dirt Vision when he mentioned that. Um, but then I, when I made it to the track, that's where we ended up. On we went to the backstretch where all the where the guys back up to the fence. And yeah, they're literally hanging out over the fence like their arms are over the track. And yeah. I'm I'm walking down this row of pickups. I'm like, okay, well, let's go stand back here. The the stands are crowded. We'll walk back here and. And I'm sort of pointing out, like, this why are these guys wearing helmets? Like, sort of laughing at them, right? Like, these guys are wearing fire suits and helmets like, oh, super fans. Those cars went by one time, and I went, oh, <laughs> now I know why they're wearing helmets. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely insane how many people there were. How, Mike, you mentioned right now, like, literally. So let's talk about the Thunder Bombers. Their feature finished, and the crazy – Mick, I don't know if you saw that on yeah. Dirt Vision. Or, you know, you were there, I think, when that happened. You pulled up. Anyway. Yeah, we, that, that's when we left. So yeah, we, we watched so, it on the phone. On our way down on Dervisha, but yeah. So so right before we have to do the redraw, they're interviewing the Thunder Bomber feature winner, and they got into a fight. <laughs> so I have to give the local announcer the microphone, uh, the wireless, so he can use it for the broadcast. And I'm standing at the little entrance, you know, and next thing you know, I get pushed from behind, like almost get knocked down. And I'm like, what is happening? And next thing you know, this big old buff, like security guard, like came and like, dude, they, they were about to throw down. Like they don't mess around at Cherokee. Like I literally got the full South experience because I mean, <laughs> I grew up with bologna, but like they had bologna sandwich. I saw the Cherokee fight, the Thunder Bombers. Like I was just full in red, red clay. Like it was yeah, it was just Cherokee, baby. Okay, you were compared to where we'll get to in a little bit. You were not covered in red clay. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> but no, you 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 go back to to the redraw, even the redraw. So the redraw was right after that. Yeah. So we have oh, to get yeah. the mic back and everything. And I'm like, oh boy, I would really hate to be Kyle Larson right now. Yeah, because <laughs> the crowd just like immersed all of us for the redraw. I, oh, Ruben, what'd you have? Fifteen the fifteen feet of space you needed to do it? Yeah, literally, I had no space at all. Like there was just so many people down there, which is awesome. It's good to see that. But man, there was just so many people. Like the, the drivers were all huddled up, like they could barely move. It, they were like sardines, you know. I mean, it was just unreal how many how many people were there. But uh, it was really cool to see that. Of course, it's uh, it's an experience, and it's only at Cherokee, the place your yeah. mama warned you about. And yeah, there's a reason she warned you. Yeah. So the next night we went south yep. and headed to Livonia Speedway in Georgia. Our first trip to see a race in Livonia, or the state of Georgia, rather. Mm -hmm. And, you know, very interesting night. Ben Watkins grabs his first career World of Outlaws Morton yeah. Building Series victory. And, you know, it's a little bit of redemption because I was, luckily Jordan Delusia texted me. He goes, hey, I don't know if you know the story behind this because, remember, I'm very new to this world. So sure. I'm, miss, I'm missing a lot of races that Watkins was leading a race at Lancaster mm -hmm. in 2019, blew a tire. Yep. 20 laps in so he gets his redemption and holds on for that one but i got a feel for tyler bruning in this race because if that caution doesn't come out right in front of the leaders first of all great job by both guys sure missing getting it. around him yep but second of all 
I think Tyler Bruning was going to win that race if that caution doesn't come out. Yeah, Bruning took a shot for the lead in one and two. He actually took the lead for a second, but Watkins was just so strong in the exit of turn two and just ended up driving away. And shout out to Tyler Bruning. Like, <laughs> if you've never met Marshall Green, uh, you got to meet Marshall Green. Obviously, Marshall Green is with Capital Race Cars. And uh, back in Volusia, you know, you have to walk all when you sign in at the pit pass, you have to walk all the way around that rim road or whatever it's called, not even rim road, the pit pass where the haulers drive. And I think that's a long walk walk and uh next thing you know this hauler that's behind me honks at me and i'm walking and it's marshall green he's like hop on <laughs> and he is just such a character and at uh at livonia he, he's all like i go up to tyler and ask him for pit reporting notes and i'm like hey tyler like you got anything interesting for me today he's like and marshall green's like give me the money and i'm like what do you mean he's like yeah we're, we hit on something and i'm like okay okay you guys hit on something and then he, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> we go to the redraw and he's He's yelling from the top of his lungs like, give me the money, baby. We hit it. I'll tell you what we did. And you can tell the fans, give me the money. (laughs) Marshall's fired up. And they really did hit on something. Like, keep an eye on Bruning and the Capital Race Cars. Like, they are good right now. And I'm so impressed considering both rookies are from Iowa. Like, Tyler has never even been to Livonia. And he did outstanding and almost got his first win. And here's the thing. He did not run Eldora last week so that car mm-hmm. has been sitting through not there's very little maintenance work compared to the guys that what the most of the other guys have yeah. to do because everybody was there with the exception of tyler and brent yeah so they, they've really hit on something and i tell you i i still think that win number one is going to be coming and it's not that far off because he he backed it up on saturday with the, with another top five finish he, he likes big tracks charlotte and the world finals is is on the horizon that's that's true there's wouldn't be super surprised to see him when 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 they're at charlotte yeah and no. it's not like it has to be at a track that he has experience on he just showed us like he went to a track that he don't even know livonia you know and like yeah. he never even been to so yeah i i agree and i think Brennan will have a great shot i'm really excited to see where this team takes it shepherd got third guys like another good run for shepherd uh he was up there again overton fourth and zach mitchell fifth uh, in that 57 it's good to see zach mitchell run again obviously we talk about his bad wreck at bristol uh coming back and uh, obviously he got his first outlaw when at volunteer and he was excited that weekend to be with us and it was good to see him finish fifth as well it was and, and you know a good run from across the board uh you know it was a good race i really enjoyed livonia it was a minus the uh cell service that i had i had that, that was one of those races i had to stand in turn four next to the dirt vision trailer to get the yeah. wireless but, yeah. but we made it work it was it was a fun fun trip and then you know i don't know if you've ever learned this or not but then i had to go three hours with ruben up to uh tennessee which sitting in a passenger seat with him driving is always a great thought Oh, how was that drive? It, it was honestly really nice. Did you take interstates? Or you take uh, yeah. I just wish we could have taken you know d- done the drive during the day it would have been nicer. But no, it was still a really nice drive at night as well. Damon's crazy. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, it was it was until we got to forty, none of it was on the highway. Yeah. So well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, before we talk about volunteer, uh, Mick, we got to talk about that. I mean, Mount Mike, you too. Uh, Pops Pickles, he was at both events. Uh, oh, your first yes. experience. He left Mick. when How I got. That? No, he left by the time I got down there. He left. I, well, I mean, I, I can know, see that's the true. fact that he probably had none left by the time yeah, he that, got there. I Let's mean, that's be fair. And, and there was nothing that you know he didn't have to wait for me or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, I get there and we walk through the front gate and then Pops Pickles is gone. But. Maybe next <laughs> but, time. But I did let you try some of the jalapeno ones. How were what were your thoughts? Oh, I love them. I mean, I've had them before. I've had his pickles before. I just haven't been able to purchase them because it, usually something comes in the way. But um, but yeah, the the pickles are great. Hopefully, you know, we go back to Cherokee one more time and uh, I'll have another chance maybe to perhaps get um a jar of them pickles. But actually, when is when is the next Cherokee race? Is that during Super Dirt Week? It is October first. 
It is not during Super Dirt Week. I feel like that's the day I leave, or maybe no, I'll leave you the might next be day. leaving early. I am not. Yeah, you won't be. I'm not leaving till Monday. No, I'm. Yeah. Anyway, the pickles were fine, and I those jalapenos were hot, oh, yeah. and it was funny watching Big Sticks giant ass eat a jalapeno and melt because he couldn't handle the heat. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a big tough guy. And yeah. he's from Pencil. For the for those of you that don't know, Big Stick, Big Stick, uh, used to uh, be with the World of Outlaw. Uh, sprint cars, uh, turn three guy, right? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, he was he was the turn giant. There's the Clinton is, is the big dude that rides the four wheeler, and then there there's big sticks who who would sort of um he was the guy that would mark the chalk line most of the time. He's a he's a really yes. big dude, yeah. really like I'm I'm <laughs> six <big>. three <laughs> two something. We won't talk about on the radio, um, and he makes me feel like a a, a midget. So. Yeah, to see him eat yeah. like a little jalapeno and just be like, oh, it's too hot. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> you got to love it. Well, uh, let's talk about Volunteer Speedway. Uh, he's back. Brandon Shepard, obviously he'd won there before. Uh, Mike, y- you uh, never been there. We were talking about this on the drive up and I to- like I kept bragging about this place. I was like, Mike, we're going to pull into the pits and you're going to see this hill and you're going to be like, oh, that's cool. And I'm going to be like, no, that's turns three and four. Like, that's how banked it is. I love it, it so i'm a little biased because obviously the summer nationals i love the midwest but if there's tracks that i really love it's these high banked bull rings in tennessee and volunteer is one of them this place is amazing it was it was pretty cool to see just the sight around it my my favorite part about that was ryan gustin <laughs> he's like all right yeah i like oh, this because yeah. I, I don't know if you've if you haven't heard us talk about it ryan gustin's gustin's never been afraid of a cushion ever but you know, it was a good. Hey, Brandon yeah, Shepard no. was due again. He's now one victory away from tying Josh Richards for the most all time. Yeah, which is crazy to think because we were at one point in the season we didn't know how many he was going to get, and he started reeling them off here in August and September so far. I mean, our first few episodes, we were wondering if he was going to win one. <laughs> right. You know, I, I, I'm still curious. I don't know if we've dug this up yet. What the? How many? You know, how many races started to get to that number versus Josh Richards? I think it's a lot less. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's without looking. I'm, I'm, and again, for those listening, remember my late model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's just low. off the top of my head. Off I the top feel of like my head, I feel like Josh was in the in that car a lot longer than Brandon's been. I might be wrong. But. Right. Yeah, it was way longer for sure. Exact years, I don't know, but I could tell you for sure. Uh, we'll definitely have to look into that. We'll get that stat for the next episode. But yeah, it's pretty impressive to see what Shepard has done in his, I'm going to say, short career with a Rocket One House car. Uh, it's fourth year. I mean, that, that's just pretty amazing. Like, I know we always talk about, oh, Shepard's not winning that much. But like, guys, um, he's on a way to a $100,000 championship. Uh, he's still picking up these good wins. He's been consistent. Like, this team is good. And, and I talked to this team. I'm like, what's happening? Well, they're just changing it up. They're, they're obviously the thing that I love about about Mark Richards is he's a businessman. He thinks ahead like any businessman should, and mm-hmm. he's thinking about the future. They're 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 doing things with a car that are not just quite hitting quite yet, but once they do, it's going to change the game. I mean, we talk about last year rocket chassis all the time. This year, I'm going to be honest, Longhorn chassis all the time. I mean, next year, rocket could be back. You know what I mean? I'm not saying they went anywhere. Right. I'm just saying, you know, they're they're onto something and I'm saying when they hit, oh man, it's going to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. That is the case and a rocket also finished in second, Chris Madden. Yep. Which by now everybody saw what happened on that restart. So let's just walk away yeah. from that. You know, he had damage on the left side of the car, still had a very impressive run to come home in second. Very impressive. And, you know, I I wonder what would have happened if Madden had the full car. We don't know. Because um, I think Brandon was in the right spot on the outside. Don't get me wrong. So I was. don't know how that would have played out. 
but I think we would have been treated to one heck of a race. Was there anything suspension-wise bent, Ruben? I, I know that like that looked like the door and the quarter panel were hanging off, which has to obviously affect you arrow on arrow on the straightaway. Add some drag to it. Yeah, I, I when I first saw them uh, together, I it looked like there was suspension damage, but when when they tore them apart, tore them apart. Sorry, that right front of Ricky Weiss wasn't. Uh, where I thought it was in the car it was behind Madden's left rear. So uh, not much suspension damage mm -hmm. was done there. It was just a door. It looked really bad the way the door was bent and then the quarter panel, but no, th there was no suspension damage. Like the good thing for Chris, like he was able to drive the whole race and, and be yeah. fine. So it looked like just that, that right front of uh, the right front of Ricky just got over the left rear tire of, of, of Madden. And there's those bodies are so soft there. Obviously it's just sort of like a, like a tin can pushed all the sheet metal out of the way and it hooked itself but yeah it wasn't a hard hit i mean they weren't at speed so yeah still impressive yeah and obviously you hate to see that for ricky weiss because obviously we talk about the year he's been having like he was so close to winning at bristol that's like the last time i could probably think about ricky weiss winning a race with the outlaws and like you know we talk about the whole sniper deal but like let's not forget ricky weiss this is the place where he set up shop for a couple months the last year this is he because he wouldn't go back to canada like he had a shop and I, they had like a shop at volunteer speedway they would always do test sessions of volunteer and like my eyes were really on ricky weiss and it was unfortunate to see him you know be a part of that and and he still uh, had a good run going too until i believe a tire he, went he down late yeah like 10th place is pretty good for ricky weiss it's just i would have loved to seen you know you know him battling for the lead possibly because i know he could win there he has a lot of laps around that place he did a lot of testing around that place and uh no but nonetheless 10th for uh, ricky weiss is good and i i really hope this team uh, regroups, reorganizes, gets ready for next year. Because if he's anything like he was the past two years, going into next year with a new notebook with the sniper stuff, he is going to be hard to beat. Rounding out the top five in that race was Michael Chilton with a great run for the '97 car, and then Tyler Bruning, a second straight top five in that one, and Dennis Herb snuck into the top five as well, and that rounded out the weekend in South. And at that point, I headed north. Ruben, you went back south because well, you, you know no. you have the school thing. You got uh -uh. Going on. I went. I, oh no, no, that's that, that's a good point. I forgot nope, something. I went north to Eldora. I uh, did the Baltus Classic. I was. I just took my time to get there. <laughs> yeah, no, we literally drove overnight, uh, and and went to Eldora. And uh, yeah, no, that was fun. Got to do the Baltus Classic, and uh, that congratulations to Spencer Hughes. It's really cool. We talk about the young guys this year: Devin Moran, Bobby Pierce, uh, Spencer Hughes, Hudson O'Neill. Like they are all having phenomenal years in the sport of dirt league model racing. And it was really cool to see Spencer Hughes win uh, the Baltus classic and obviously that night was a wild night obviously the track's a little different because um you know it we had different support divisions different tires on the track skinnier tires the late model tires just clean off the track nicely top to bottom how they did in the worlds and the dreams but yeah congratulations to spencer hughes that was a fun night it was good to see devin moran and all the other guys there as well uh it was a pretty good night uh, leading into the worlds which uh you were at yes yes i was uh four days at eldora i tell you what it's the tough thing about the four days at Eldora, and it's not a bad thing, but the way the way that it's structured, you know, that first day, preliminary night's awesome. We're at Eldora. All right, Thursday, we're getting ready for the world. Then Friday, you're going back to preliminary nights. Like, okay, can we just get through this and get to Saturday? <laughs> yeah. And that's not a that's the way you have to do it. It's not a knock on any well, on anything, but it's like after you run the full 100 lap race, it's like we got to do all this again. Yeah. Oh boy. It's just like you it's just that feeling you're like, all right, let's get through this and get to Saturday. Well, and it's late in the season. We've been racing a long time. It, it's a little bit easier to to swallow the back to back to back nights like dirt car nationals when you're coming off the off season and you're fresh and you know, it's a grind. And 
Hopefully we never have to do it again. Hopefully we never have a year where we have to cancel crown jewel events and, and make them up the following year. And, um, yeah, a four day show in the middle of the summer is, well, I guess it's not really the middle of summer. It's sort of fall, but it, it, well, I can tell you at night up there, it felt like fall <laughs> <laughs> down here. It I mean, not. But, but obviously it was good for, for the sport. Like, you know, this past weekend, you know, it was a big weekend for, for our sport and obviously for football, like fans are back. That's the big thing. Like for the world, that was a thing. Like it, the fans are back. I mean, how about that 50, 50, someone, a fan won over a hundred thousand dollars. And like, Yo. you know what I mean? Still salty about <laughs> I, that. How many tickets you buy, Mike? 20. <laughs> How awesome would that have been? <laughs> well, he's got 10 year dollars too. Like, th- that is absolutely amazing. Like, you know, the 50 50 record breaking over 100,000. What was it? 106 something? Like, that. that is amazing. Like, the fans were back. They packed the place. That, that was good for our sport. And uh, it, it was just good to see that. What was the, the car count was good too? It was in like 73 late models. Like, the days of over 100 are over. Let's be real. But like, it was still pretty good. It was 80, 80 something the first night, first two for the first run, and then 79 because we had a couple second time, but we That's had right. a couple guys not make it like jimmy mars unfortunately didn't make it to the second night he just loaded up but then we had some of the pennsylvania guys come in mike norris the the race car driver alex ferry also was another one so a few of those guys jumped in also yeah that's pretty cool and uh yeah no it was a great weekend and we'll hear more about it here shortly with uh when jordan delusia is going to join us here in a little bit and we're going to break down the world 100 and look ahead towards the uh extreme dirt car series i said that wrong how what is it the driving extreme dirt car series yeah remember i'm not an announcer i'm just a podcast producer neither am i neither am i <laughs> no but you're pr so Technically, i have, to get, I'm not right. PR. I have to get that right yeah <laughs> well joining us today uh dirt car pr coordinator extraordinaire uh you may know him from the summit racing wrap-up show for the hell tour uh jordan delusia joining us today to talk about the world 100 what's up jordan that's me what's going on guys you know, it's another day, another day. That's no, right. We just got back from the same spot. That's right. Yeah, yeah it's Taco Tuesday here in Concord, North Carolina. And it is, uh, yeah, well, that's not what I meant. I meant we were both at Eldora. Oh, well, yeah. Tacos and Eldora, I mean, come on. They're two two good things. Yes, yes, <laughs> but good. You know, we good. need to get that. You know, we've got, speaking of Eldora, we've got a, they've got, shout out to their concession stands. They've got great, great food there, cheese balls, chicken tenders. Perhaps we need to get tacos in there. Ooh. That would be it. Would be a, it would change up the variety. Oh, it would. That's for sure. Tacos at a racetrack. I don't know if I've ever seen that. The wings are good too. They, I didn't get to try those, but I did get to try the pizza burger. It was on point. JC pizza tried burger. the wings just about every night. Our photographer. So. Yeah, yeah. But let's. I mean, let's get right into it. I, I think we should start with the weirdly the fifty first first. I was sure. I was gonna I was wondering about that. Do we cover the one that happened first or yep. was numerically first? But I like that fifty first. It is well, and to no one's surprise, guess who ended up in victory lane. Brandon Overton. Mm-hmm. The Evans Georgia driver picks up his third straight, even though that's not how it will show in the record record books. Right. Third straight crown jewel win in Eldora. And it, it was another one of those where with about 20 laps to go, he almost we almost wondered if he wasn't going to be able to do it because Dale McDowell got by him. Right. And Dale kind of got caught up in lap traffic and Brandon used the lane on the outside to get by once the track rubbered up a little bit right towards the end. Yeah, yeah. It was it kind of kind of got locked down a little bit there but um you know he yeah i mean i think the real kind of the real story there was was how about t-mac coming up through the field tim mccready i mean he was you know on on rails at that point um so i mean it, it was good to see the the variety of drivers that finished in the in the podium um 
you know, on that, those races. But, um, you know, I think he had an incredible charge. I can't even remember where he started. T-Mac? Yeah. 19th. Was, yeah. Because he was the first provisional car. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was he was up there in points. Um, and I think it was Hudson O'Neill that got the other one, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, they had both had trouble in their, um, uh, you know, in the heat races and things. So, um, you know, it was they, they came back as the uh, high points provisionals that didn't make the show. So um, they, they all both charged up through the field. I think Hudson was battling up there within third or fourth. And I think he finished fourth, I believe. Um, so a great, great charge up front by those guys. But, um, yeah, you're right, Overton. He just I mean, it's not that we didn't expect him to be up front. That's for sure. It, I don't think it was a question of if it was more of just a question of, of when when he got to second. So sure. Well, the biggest thing, too, that I think is going to get lost in the shuffle is it seems like he dominated. No, he ended up playing the invert perfectly on Thursday night because he didn't qualify well on Wednesday at all. But it turned around that the wheel of misfortune, T-Mac drew a five. And it just happened to put him (laughs) on the pole for his heat race, and the rest was history. Right. Absolutely. No, we, the, the, that invert, I mean, I think that's one of the, what makes this event so unique, you know, it, going to Eldora and running a, a Durker late model event is it's just the format is always, it's always something different, especially on the qualifying nights with the the invert that they do. And then how, like, it's almost like a, a, a mix of like regular traditional like late model modified racing where, you know, there's the two B mains thing and, and all that. Um, and with this, some it's like a mix of like straight up and then like USAC racing where you you take your you get your times back if you finish within yep. the top two or three. So I mean, it's really it's a it's a unique thing. There's a lot of people that say it's strange or oh, it's stupid or whatever. No, I think it's incredibly unique. You need to have these these interesting race formats to have interesting. I mean, this fifty more than fifty thousand dollars on the line in June. They gave away one hundred twenty six, hundred twenty seven thousand. Yeah. You're not just going to go and start, you know, and and have these. You know, races where you just you qualify quick time, sit on the pole of your heat race, sit on the pole of your feature. Like it's just you know we need yep. to have a mix up, and it's good to see the 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 uh, interesting formats that they have there. Well, the the criticism of it from some people is sort of like it's um it's corny or, or gimmicky, but I think that one thing it really adds is it adds strategy, but it also adds like a variable. So you can strategize all you want, and then um, it all falls apart, right? So it also helps even the playing field, and for a big event like that. You know, how, what was the car count? 80-something? 80, 80 yeah, it was the highest was 80. Um, they had a few cars that, like, dropped out or went home. Uh, of course, Kyle Larson left to go do his NASCAR deal. Yeah. Um, some other guys didn't. I think they packed up. I think Jimmy Mars. He yeah, had a wreck. Jimmy, Jimmy Mars yeah. did not end up with a good Yeah, he had a wreck. He was involved in the wreck on I believe it was Thursday night, and then he just packed it up. Yeah. So, um, But we did have four new guys come in on um, Friday to join for the 50th. Um, I believe it was... Uh, Oh, geez, I can't even remember now. There was so many drivers there. Steve uh, Stoltz was one of them. Mike uh, Norris. Mike Norris. Uh, Alex Ferry. Yep, Alex Ferry. And then Ken Robinson. Ken Robinson was the other one, too. And then, uh, um, yeah, we mentioned him. There's four. So it was good to see some some guys come out for the weekend. Um, Mike Norris, though, did really well. I think the last time that I saw him at Nor- or at Eldora, in me, just me personally, I saw him, I believe it was at the 2019 Dream or the World I can't remember which one which but i'm pretty sure i think he might have popped an engine there i i can't exactly recall but like you know it was good to see him point is it was good to see him come back here in 2021 and run so well um i have to look up exactly where he finished here but i think he made the race i believe he did um well you know and without those without that kind of format that in evening the, the playing field that way you're not going to get that many cars i wouldn't think 
you, I mean, this race used to have just it used to draw over 200 cars. Well, yeah, but, but the that world was is a very correct. different place now. Absolutely, that was back you know 20, 30 years ago. So you know, it's when racing, you know, it wasn't as expensive to do, and yep. you know, it just, you know, it not that it has any less prestige now, but in fact, I think it's actually even harder to win with the with the format and stuff so. like that. But um, you know, it it probably was incredibly difficult going up. I mean, taking all day to do qualifying. Yeah. I mean, single car qualifying back then. I mean, they didn't have. Yeah. I don't think they had timing and scoring loops. So like, <laughs> they used to get those car counts. I mean, it just takes all day in the heat to 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 do those qualifying deals. So I mean, yeah. it's a marathon. But I mean, like it's like look at the money we're giving away here. Yeah. So again, top five from that fiftieth. Sorry, fifty first. Almost a dirt lay model dream too. World 100. There we go. Uh, Overton McCready, Dale McDowell, Hudson O'Neill, Jonathan Davenport rounding out the top five. The one thing I love about Brandon Overton, and I said this when he three won the two dreams, he's so humble. Like he's yeah. still, it still doesn't. Yeah. Like he said, he likes loves to try and, and get up on top of the car and scream and shout. Like you'll see his victory lane celebrations. He just kind of get up up there and smiles and just waves the flag and just he doesn't. I mean, he could I bet you he'd win you know a million dollars and he'd just still do the same thing. He just. He's just not one of those guys that gets up there and screams and yells. And uh, like you said, he's really, really humble. Let's take a listen to what he had to say following his victory in the 51st World 100. Well, Brandon Overton, this makes three straight Eldora Speedway crown jewels for you now. Two dreams in one world. I know when I talked to you back uh, after the when you won the second dream right here three months ago, you were stunned. You didn't think anything like this could happen. How do you feel now that you've won three in a row? Miss. I honestly, there there ain't enough words to, to say it. Like I don't really know how to express it and, and what it means to me. And um, I said I think I'm gonna, I'm just gonna soak this one in a little bit. You know, everything happened so fast the last time we were here. Like the last night, you know, it started a storm, so we really just hurried up and rushed to tech. I didn't really get to hang out with the people. Uh, so I'm just gonna suck this one in a little bit, soak it in a little bit. This is uh, this is special. Absolutely. Now, when we had, of course, a, a crazy situation out there where the track kind of rubbered down about 30 laps to go. Did you know that it had rubbered that point? Because remember, you did have the lead and then you lost it. Tell me how that sequence went. Yeah, just that bottom. You get on, you fire up on the bottom, and if you don't crowd the guy beside you, I probably should have chose the top, but um, you know, I restarted with with my buddies. You know, I raced with Shane and Dale, and we always hang out. I didn't want to go in there and and um, slide up and get into him. So I pinched myself and I heard him coming. I said, oh, here he goes. And, and he moved up to the middle and um, just got out there. But I knew, I said, it's going to latch. Like I, when I moved up in the middle, I could feel it already starting to clean it up. So I said, all right, I'm just going to let him run, run, run. And then maybe if I sit back here and ride, when I catch him, I'll have enough tire to make a move. And uh, I just timed it right. JD actually almost passed me and I got to run back on the top. And I said, damn, I got to pass him. So uh, just everything worked out for me. I, I Got it done. Now he said that I did talk to Dale. He said he kind of got an arrow push when you kind of scooted across his nose. Was that kind of just hard racing? Did you kind of like know what you were doing there? Uh, no. Well, I entered in three. Yes. Uh, no. I just I wanted to get in there deep enough because I was passing him and I wanted to get in there and not not hit him. You know what I mean? It's, when you race in the rubber, like it, it's it can get real hairy and you'll you know bang into somebody you don't mean to. You know. So I just wanted to make sure I drove in there deep enough and and I stopped to stay in it. So. I could see that. I didn't think he would cut back down in there behind me that quick. But, uh, you know, like I said, he knows what he's done. He's been doing it a long time. Now that you've kind of had this, you know, so much expectations coming into this weekend, especially this race, this was the first test. We've got another test coming up in the next two days. What was your mindset kind of coming into today, knowing, you know, your situation as you get further down through the night and then you know you're going to start third? How are you kind of feeling before the race? Um, I felt good at it because we was in a good starting spot and you know we got to run last night back there the whole time in dirty aired bad traffic 
and I kept moving forward, kept moving forward. So I felt good about my adjustments. The way the race played out was going to be more focused in on tonight. Like I literally didn't even change anything for the race. I just kept playing everything through my head, making sure that I knew it was going to rubber. What lap was going to rubber, I didn't really know. And I thought it was going to rubber on the bottom first, and actually rubbered in the middle first. So, um, you know, I think that just the race could have played anyway, and I think that was the most important thing, you know, just being in the right spot at the right time. What strikes me about him, first of all, is how humble he is. Yeah. Like, he is just as humble as he gets, but he's also a super intelligent racer. Absolutely. Like, you can hear it in how he sets he sets his passes up. He did it at Cherokee. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a reason they covered up the front tires at Cherokee. He saves his stuff. He knows when to pounce, and when he pounces, he makes it count, and, and I mean, it's, he's just an he's amazing talent. Yeah, you bring up a couple of good points there. The first one about knowing how to conserve, he is, I almost would say, a master at doing that yeah. now, especially because of how he's been racing at a lot of these southern tracks where, you know, typically tire wear is a little bit more of a, of a thing sure. that you need to, to to learn how to manage if you're going to race these these races down here, especially the 100 lappers, like the blue-gray 100, you know, he mm-hmm. did it, you know, he won it in, in you know, this year, uh, I think it was back in, uh, or no, I'm sorry, last year, uh, blue-gray is always in November, so the 2020 edition, um, you know, he pitted early, pitted on lap, lap, like 67 or something like that. And uh, everybody else had blowouts and he came right up through the field, yep. you know, and so he knows how to conserve his stuff. And that's what got him the win. And then, you know, you're right. He's just he's such a an intelligent and actually very well spoken young, yeah. young guy, you know, 30 years old from from Evans, Georgia. And, um, you know, I think it's you can definitely tell is me from as many drivers as we talk to and as many interviews as you and I do, Mike, you know, you can tell when, you know, someone's got experience, you know, doing interviews and it's just like, well, if they're finishing up front, you're always talking to them. They're always on the podium. They're a little bit more media trained, you know, and so you can just tell his, you know, his answers are kind of getting a little more clear. He just feels more relaxed and um, he's definitely not afraid to tell you what is on his, on his mind for sure. But like, uh, you know, he's, like you said, he, he's just so humble because he knows that, you know, it's just, doing all the you know he's just going to save the uh the shocking quotes and the kind of the wow stuff yeah. for some of the other guys in the field now tim t-mac coming home in second and you know we mentioned that provisional a little bit earlier mm-hmm. that provisional might have kept him from winning that race because i i think that's another 20 laps we might yeah. be talking a completely di- i mean granted we don't know it was going to rubber at that point yeah but we might be talking about a completely different game because t-mac was probably the best car over the first oh, two nights absolutely without a doubt without a doubt absolutely i and that's what he told me when i went to talk to him and his i'll play his you know, podium interview here in a minute. Um, you know, he said he exactly said that that's what it was. It would just there really wasn't much else we could do. I played the the line just right. We passed on the bottom, had a lot of room to race, um, made my own uh, line down there in the bottom. The only thing we would have changed was you just can't put yourself in these positions and start 20th. It's just you're 19th. You just can't have that happen. Um, and, you know, he I believe it was a power steering issue that he ran into um, in the heat race. He was I can't remember exactly what heat race he was in on Thursday, but, um, you know, it just kind of expired there. Um, and uh, he had to have been in heat one because I think he was a point litter. Uh, he won what? No, he was the point. He was in heat race one because he was the point leader after Wednesday night. Oh, right. Right. Exactly. OK, right. Yeah, sure. I was talking about the um, what is it? The uh, scramble. No, there was the what the heat what was the it was the heat race where he had the had the had a problem or it was yeah they had the power line the yeah power, it was the first heat yeah but where was he running in that was he leading no because he, he started like fifth no right? I think he was running fourth or wherever the invert yeah yeah, yeah wherever the windward had him anyway well he was in you know he was in pretty good position until that power uh, power steering problem um, you know hit him and, and unfortunately he had to take it back to the pits and and that's how he 
you know inherited that provisional but uh you know another nice thing about the format i see it's, it's kind of like a sour patch kids first they're sour then they're sweet you know because it's like you know they're gonna do the invert on you but then even if you kind of get into an accident or whatever you're a high point man so you'll you won't benefit from the invert but you do benefit because there is a chance for a points provisional at the end of the night right and it ended up helping him and hudson o'neill out throughout the night but now let's hear from t-mac on the second place finish all right, T-Mac with a nice podium finish here in the 51st World 100, and uh, well, you had quite a drive, almost kind of similar to victory last night. Kind of came up through the field, went kind of from deep, and uh, you know, tell me how you were able to get up through the fields uh, like you did. Oh, uh, just you know, it was a little harder to just you couldn't just drive guy. I couldn't just drive by guys tonight like last night, so I just uh, just just fought every lap. That's all you can do when you start that far back. You can't just cry. cry uh, crab around and putt around. I mean, I know I'm down there, but I'm, I'm running as hard as I can trying to do something. And um, I think for me personally, if the first couple restarts I could have got on the outside, because like I said, I mean, that first start, Hudson started right beside me and the first yellow comes out and he's in 10th. He's yeah. passed 10 cars in less than 12, 13 laps, you know? So uh, it is all because that outside took off and then JD got put up there and then he shot into the top 10 from back where we were. And, yep. and unfortunately I was stuck down low, you know, it's, uh, we just had to, we fought for every position. I don't, I don't think I had any, any gimme. So it's, uh, it's cool. It's cool. It's just, uh, we just, it's just, it's, I just needed to start further up front. Like the heat race deal was tough, relaxing. Cause you know, you're in tough when you have a problem and it just, you know, made us have to fight. And I, I would have liked to have raced with them before I got rubbered, but that's okay. I was in sixth when it rubbered. So I could have, could have easily ran sixth if the guys, they got a little impatient and I, I nabbed a couple spots because of it. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll take it. Move on tomorrow. Yeah, now that one, you bring up a really good point. The last restart there that we had that was really important. Everybody was shaking up there. You used to restart at six, and then you got right into the thick of it. Uh, how, did it you know, you knew it had rubber by then. So, uh, like, what was your game plan uh, going after that restart? I was just trying to, like, when you see, like, Hudson got a huge run, but he wasn't to the door, and I thought, if he sends it in there, he's going to move somebody out of the way, and that's what he tried to send it. He tried to get in there, and at the last minute, he realized he's going to get into somebody, and he shuts it down, and, well, then he misses the rubber, and that's kind of how... I got by Dale. Well, Dale got in a shove off of two out of the rubber, and that's kind of how I got by him. And and I just, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it's just patience or what you want to call it, but I, I, I kind of know when I followed that one car lapping him the whole time, I knew my limitations. I knew not to get too close to him because I watched Dale push and I watched JD miss, make a mistake. So I just thought, well, if he doesn't cut me a break, I'm never. I can poke under him a couple times, but if he isn't going to cut me a half an inch, then we're going to run behind him. And uh, and he finally moved, and then I felt really good and then I got to the 10 and he didn't you know he just didn't move so um or didn't make a mistake and uh that was it what else is there anything you think your car may needed tonight or was it just kind of a rubbery situation no, I mean you know I can't sit here and tell you we were better than than Brandon I mean early in the race he's out front with cleaner air and, and he's you know and I'm back there so I just I don't know I, I don't I can't sit here and say we could have did any better than we did that's you know it's uh, it's hard to play that game. That's that's a game you start doing that. You start uh, uh, not making your car better. So what I got to do tomorrow is be better, and then Saturday be better and make this thing bulletproof where we don't have to have an issue where we start 20th. You know, we can get near the front and race with these guys early, you know. So gotcha. that's all you can do. Thanks to me. It's always uh, interesting to hear that accent come out of a late model driver's. Yeah, mouth. I know, right? It's, yeah, it's <laughs> sounds like I'm listening to a Super Dirt Car Series interview. It, it does. It does. He's Tim. Tim McCready is one of the, I think, one of the best talkers because he explains what happens yeah. so well. You know, he gets in incredible detail. It's almost like you're 
it's like an audible representation of like looking through his helmet visor, you know, because mm -hmm. it's just he tells you exactly what he sees and, and describes it in, in real detail. Like, you know, you know, Hudson got to my, you know, you heard him. He says Hudson got to my, you know, door panel or whatever, but he, he had to back out of it getting into one because, you know, he knew he was going to hit somebody. So, yep. you know, he just he knows he's, he's really got the mindset of other drivers down. He just describes what he sees so well. And that's why I think that's what makes him a great talker. I mean, he's a obviously a veteran yes I think he had 50 some wins in the super dirt car series and he yep. came to late models and and um i like what he said there you know that that's sort of a rabbit hole we don't go down because mentally once you once you start to question mm -hmm. if, if yes you know if we could add uh, uh, those kinds of things so yeah a uh, fantastic driver right yeah, there absolutely and i like it when you know drivers you know don't leave it up to the shoulda coulda wouldas because like he just like you said he can't do that you know yeah. which also makes me think that he's probably not very superstitious either and i'm not a superstitious person no. personally but uh you know i will give you when i raced very very briefly in in my as a teenager but uh you know it's you know it's all about what you do on the racetrack and and i think that yeah. uh, he does a good job of at least putting his, his mindset there I, i've raced with people that you know, you chicken at the track or you have peanuts. Well, that must have been what, what, what yeah, no long green. that day. And that's, it's crazy. It's I've like, seen a lot of green race cars win races. So that's uh, Stormy or Johnny Scott. Yeah. Daryl Waltrip. Uh, it, it's, it's like Super Dirt Car Series announcer Shane Andrews always says, if he had a race car, it would be the number, it would be a green number 13 sponsored by Planners Peanuts. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just give, give luck the middle finger. Like just yep. go ahead and just, yep. you know, exactly. Uh, well, the old guard ended up finishing in the top three is the Mac Daddy. Yeah. Dale McDowell coming home third. Yeah. Let a little bit. Let's hear from Dale McDowell on his third place finish. Dale McDowell, not a bad run here. He got a podium here with the World 100. You've led a, quite a bit of this race here. I got to know, first of all, how were you able to get the lead from Brandon Overton off that restart? Well, uh, actually, right before the caution come out, somebody had rolled us, on, rolled me on the top that was fixing the pass, probably both of us, um, you know, in the it's caution JD. come. It's JD. Okay. So I, I knew I knew that that the top was there then. So when we had it, I knew there was an awful lot of traction down here in three and four in the bottom. And but when we got that traffic, it choked us down. So so when we had to, you know, I just went to the middle and was able to roll around him. But the bad part about it is I was a little, I was still a little tight. And so the longer, the tighter you are, the lower you have to run. And and um, so I actually went in on some lap cars down there and got in bad air. And me being tight, it pushed. And That's so when it when it pushed. I kind of had to rotate the car with the gas, and Brandon just had a clean run. And then it happened again down here in this corner, uh, run in behind a lap car, and he come across, you know, just nothing intentional. But he come across, took the air off. When he did, the nose just kind of picked up. And so that's just a product that's been just being a shade tight. So uh, we'll, we'll keep working on it. And, and uh, But to be, you know, to be right here with these guys, they, they, they race all the time. They run up down the road, do an awful lot of testing, got awesome teams. Um, you know, so we're right there. We don't race all the time. I mean, we 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 don't travel up and down the road and get quite as many laps as they do. They do. So we made some we made some gains, and uh, so we'll just keep working on this easy go hot rod and see if we can get her up there uh, Saturday. Now it looks like, at least from I was standing right over here at the infield, it looked to me like at the last 20 or so laps or so it was rubbered. Was that what it was that what it seemed to you? It actually rubbered on that restart. Did it? Yeah, it actually rubbered. It had already. Brandon and I were in the bottom down here, and and uh, so it felt good down here. But down here we were missing it, and that's when they found it. That's yeah. that's when they found it out there in the middle and was able to roll, and then it just kind of moved. It moved down a lane, you know, and uh, down there, and so I was still a little tight down there and, and having to kind of horse the car around. 
um, you know, so I think once we once we make some adjustments, and who knows if you'll have this condition again, you know, but uh, I think once we have some uh, make some adjustments, we'll be fine. Did anybody did that kind of surprise you? Like once you got the lead and you were really cruising, you opened up a three plus second gap. Did you know how big of a lead you had before you lost it? I did, and I, that's what I, I just said. I, I I blame a little bit of that on myself. I knew I had a lead. My brother was giving me uh, signals back there, but I run in and I caught that traffic so fast that when I did, it just upset the cars so much. And I tried to move around, and it's just so hard to lead. So at that point in time, Brandon knew where to be because he knew not, not to do what I did. You know, so uh, he just capitalized on it. Things are going his way, and he's running really good and a uh, good kid. So uh, hats off to those guys. Congratulations to them. Absolutely. And just a great run by Dale McDowell. You know, good, always good to see him, you know, in contention at Eldora. I, I yeah. still think he's got one more one more win in him. Uh, Absolutely. I, I think so. He's been, I mean, he's been racing since 1984. Yeah. I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I was. No, my, I was my, four years old. I wasn't going to say that. just graduated from high school. I was so. just starting to play with Hot Wheel cars or something. But, uh, I mean, 1984, and if you I just briefly look through his schedule this year, and he's been running okay, but he hasn't been running great. But for him, uh to still put it up there on the podium at an event like that and then to make it through all those cars and, yeah. and still be there. Um, I love seeing veterans up there. I, I, there's there's two types of drivers I really love to see up on the podium. That's that's rookies and, and young kids and, mm-hmm. and then the veterans that can still get it done. Um, so. And Dale's one of them. I mean, especially the Big E. You know, he is always in contention there. That 17 car just always runs well. You know, at at Eldora, it just um, and and it, which is funny because you know he runs so well down here on his kind of his like his home tracks, if you will. Uh, you know, these red clay tracks down here in the southeast, and you know he's a does some you know southern national shows and things like that. So it's you know it's it's really really cool to go and see a man of of his experience mm-hmm. um, and of his age really because he's out there now competing with some guys that are you know closer to half his age. Um, you know, and and still kicking butt you know so it's it's yep. definitely good to see the um 17 car up front that's for sure it is and you know i, I guess I, every every conversation i've had with dale i've oh he's uh, the nicest I, guy one of the nicest guys he's the one of the nicest guys always he, he always so mild tempered too whenever he, i mean he could i mean I, of course i've never seen him get wrecked and then have to like i've never interviewed him after a wreck but like you know he's always just so Got a great smile on his face and stuff, you know. Well, and the first time I met him was the first night of the Rock Hall Memorial way back in March when he when Shepard got him on the last lap at oh, Cherokee, sure. and he was, you know, humble about it. Granted, yeah. it, three grand for him is probably not that much, yeah, but sure, you know sure. what I mean. Yeah, you know, he, he said, "Hey, I picked the wrong tire." Yeah, you know, and that's what I li- and that's what I like about Dale. But let's move on to the fifty-first World One Hundred. Sorry, the fiftieth World One Hundred. See, I knew it was going to do yeah. that. <laughs> but so a little bit of deja vu. Yep, as you. Put yep. in your uh, headline yep. on Friday night. Well, for the 27th Dirt Late Model Dream, Greg Satterley and Brandon Overton won preliminary features. Yep. For the 50th World 100, Greg Satterley and Brandon Overton won preliminary features. Yep. yep. Not shocking because Greg Satterley on a half mile is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. No, he, I believe he had, where was it? He, he, win, he won a all-loss feature this year at Williams Grove. Williams Grove. Okay, he so he might it. not have if it, if Kyle Larson hadn't had issues because Larson was stalking him for that win. But right, he yeah, still right. picked it off. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, Satterley ain't no slouch. You know what I mean? He'll go to the some of the, the, the big time shows uh, that are around the country. He's, you know, he's not just an East Coast driver. He'll come out and play a little bit. But, um, you know, he's... Uh, He's another one of those guys, too, that's it's uh, in, in victory lane. He's a pretty humble guy. You know, he's not going to be getting up and jumping up and down and screaming and stuff like that. And uh, I thought that was something also he's really, really super cool to talk to. He's another good explainer, too. Um, but, uh, you know, a, a great, great run. You know, he 
was you know battling it right up there with the rest of them and and i believe he led all 25 laps of the uh of the feature if i'm not mistaken so um another dominating performance that was the night that yeah it was overton and and him both led all 25 laps of their feature so he's you know started right up front and uh took the lead and just never never let it go um i think is he one of the points that he brought up um in his feature was uh was with 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 uh, bobby pierce you know he was coming on the top side you know because he was i think i knew how pierce had started up front um and he was really really charging on the high side as we so often see pierce do um but then you know he i asked greg if he was worried about yeah, because there was, a, I think there was a restart in there, some a couple restarts, and I was worried. I was like, I asked him, I was like, were, were you worried that he might be able to get a run on? And he said no, um, because I think that I wasn't giving enough up, up up on the bottom for him to be able to get a, a run down on top. So, yeah. um, you know, and and you can see that, you know, in, in the replays of the of the race, if you watch it, you know, he's uh, the bottom line was middle to the bottom. That was it was it was really working for Greg, and that's uh, what propelled him to the win. Yeah, it, it. You know, and the thing is too. Uh, I want to. I think we talk about Bobby Pierce. Bobby Pierce tried the slider to win that. Yes. Yeah. He, he did not. Nope. I, when I say did not connect, I just wanted since we're talking about Bobby Pierce, and I know how the fans are. It means he did not complete the slide job. Yes. <laughs> I don't. When I say didn't connect, I don't mean he didn't hit him. Right. That's right. Yeah. Just no, want to clarify. Just, isn't that how he work. finishes a slide job? No, not always. Well, Bobby Pierce. <laughs> there, there's been times. Everybody but, thought that it happened at Fairbury in 2019 for the PDC, and it didn't. It, it, it didn't happen. Shepard did not wall him. No. He just squeezed him, and yep. Pierce got in the wall, and they tagged bumper. I mean, they, he definitely there was some contact after that, but like it's not like Shepard put him into the wall. So everybody thinks that oh, that Shepard got him back for all those years of dirty driving. No, no just but, racing hard. Uh, and you know what? Bobby went right into victory lane that night and shook his hand right in victory lane. Oh yeah, so. I was there. They were all, they were all high five, and oh, I mean absolutely. it was a good time. And, and I'm just stirring the pot. I love I love Bobby Pierce. I'm a yeah. big fan. And you're not as much as other people on this podcast, but that's true. But that's yes, not present. We'll leave it at that. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I digress. Bobby had Bobby had a good run. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he did. He was in the in mystery it. machine. That was such a cool paint scheme. Yep. Like you don't see stuff quite that unique in late model racing, and I, I, I really dug that. Yep. He, I mean, and he. This wasn't just like a little sticker on the side of the car. No. This was the whole like the no, like the nose. I'm pretty sure was orange. Like I don't. I, I think it might have been plastic the whole thing, and then he had the wrap over the top of it. I'm not it sure great. exactly the anatomy of it, but it looked phenomenal. He had the little flower wheel covers yeah. there, and just the well, whole. Do we know what the inspiration for that was? Was there a fan vote or something? Or no, I, I, you know, I should have, you know, one day. I'm going to do a piece on all of Bobby's world schemes yeah. and dream schemes and just ask him where the inspiration came from that. Um, he's been a big fan of the Joker for a while. I know he's always had it like yeah. three years in a row where he had a Joker car. My favorite one, though, of all time is still the Freddy Krueger car. That was yeah, good. This is my Even dream. though it was that, taking a shot. That yes, was that was, it was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, we had the little the little slash marks in the 32. I really liked that. That was that was a good car. I have the die cast uh, sitting on my desk of the 2017 uh, Joker car. It's the joker's revenge i think they call it that nice. one's probably the most animated that's my favorite car and or at least the, the for the design it was just it's like artwork moving artwork you know oh, what it, I mean? it's it just, totally is and it's it's so so cool to see guys actually like you know give a hoot about what's on their car like make yep. it look cool because you can sell t-shirts you know what i mean right well remember it was 2019 uh jonathan davenport with, with the, the, the brewster, brewster baker, baker one yep 
was awesome. That was a cool. And that was cool. It, it's gonna and we're gonna lead in now to to day two of the fiftieth world. Mm-hmm. Scott Bloomquist's car was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was really really cool. I was talking. Uh, I was explaining to my mother the other day when I was talking to her on the phone. She asked how my weekend went, and I was telling her about who won and all that. And you know, she's obviously not a dirt late model racing aficionado, but you know, she's heard the name Scott before, and I almost kind of compared it to. I think was was one of the most remarkable things, and it happened right on lap one. It actually happened even before the feature when we knew that Scott and Bobby Pierce were going to be starting on the front row of that event. Yeah. What, I mean, you couldn't have scripted that. You know, it's almost like the the veteran versus... I don't want to say the rookie, but I don't also want to say the past versus the future either. Because he's, he's a young gun, young gun. Yeah, absolutely, it's, it's it's like Dale Earnhardt versus Jeff Gordon. Yeah, you know what I mean. In the in the late '90s, you know, it, with NASCAR, it's you know, it, it's there's so many similarities. It, you got Scott with like he's got the all black car, just like Dale had. He's got the iconic look, like yep. Dale had with the mustache. Scott's got the long hair. Yep. He's got the you know the namaste the namaste symbol or whatever. He's got his own thing. All of his cars are black. Um, and you know, he's intimidating, you know what I mean? He's, sure, he's sure. to a lot of other drivers, you know, he's even heck. I, the well, first time I ever interviewed me, I was just not scared to talk to him, but I was just like, Oh, you know, I gotta and have and my it's not just here. on the, because of how he's on the track. He, he's intimidating because he's, he speaks so slowly and mm-hmm. methodically yep. and, um, yeah, I, I like Scott. I like talking to Scott a lot. And uh, but yeah, he's for sure an intimidating persona. So it's sort of this cool passing of the torch moment. Absolutely. And uh, and we've been doing a lot of that this year. You know, and we know that you know with the injury that Scott, Scott <clears throat> suffered, what was it last year? And I mm-hmm. mean, he's he's getting on there in his career. And right. You know, it, these are these moments that in motorsports you kind of have to cherish to see a goat like that get up and uh, start on the pole. Did not have the night he was hoping for, but no. but still made it through and started on the pole, and and it's still yeah. big. Yeah. Now, I, I think I was talking to uh, TC, one of Frank Hackenass's guys, on the way back to pit road, and mm-hmm. I go, "If you ever wanted a front row as as a crowd for that race." Is that the best front row oh, you can ask because for? They're, they're oh, my gosh. Because they all, and I don't understand why everybody hates Bobby Pierce. Well, listen, Pierce has got, <laughs> I, and this is another thing that I threw in there right with this, the NASCAR friends. They're, they're two of the most loved and hated. They're both like the New York Yankees. They're polarizing. They're, I see no problem with this. They are the, they, <laughs> well, they are, they are the most loved and hated drivers in the sport. Yeah. They have as many haters as they have fans. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Bobby, I mean, obviously his is a little bit more magnified because he's a little bit more, you know, talkative on social media. But, um, you know, it's... Well, you can hear it more, right? Like, it used to be between races, you didn't hear the boos during the week like you do now because Twitter is basically essentially booing drivers. Oh, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. um, I I also think that something happens to a driver through his... to to the trajectory of his career where uh, those boos turn to cheers as he gets on there. I mean, Bobby, I think Bobby just rubs people the wrong way sometimes because he, like... Yeah, just kind of doesn't. It's not that he doesn't give a shit, but he's sort of unapologetic. Like this is what I'm doing right. to get wins, and look, I have wins. So exactly. Like he, yeah, when he like gets accused of wrecking somebody, which you know sometimes he does get into people. Sometimes it, just, it happens. It, sometimes it just happens. That's racing. Yep. Um, you know, it takes other people's driver off, especially when you you know he runs into you know a driver that you know maybe you are a fan of. Yes. You know you're gonna go, oh there he is, see he's doing it again. You know the people do the same thing so many times in sports where somebody is labeled as a troublemaker or whatever, and then they do something unintentional, and so I go, oh there he is again, and yeah. I think that's what happens. Just supporting their well, evidence. And yep. I think I think part of this for me is I'm as neutral as they come in late model racing because right. sure. I just haven't yeah seen you're new seen it that much. I mean I've heard of you know but. Obviously, I know who they all are now. Sure. Yep. I had to say this a number of times already in this show. <laughs> right. But, you know, going into that, I, 
you know, outside of Josh Richards' first career win at Lebanon Valley, I haven't really seen a late model race. Yeah. Right. So to me, that's why I I I like Bobby the guy. Yeah. I don't really I don't really have a feeling toward him as driver, nor should I as. Yeah. No. But, absolutely. But seeing the crowd erupt for both of those. Oh, absolutely. Guys, that that, that's awesome. why I said they just it's it was so awesome when I heard that you know that Scott was going to be on the pole, and then I see you know or Pierce won heat five and Bloomer won heat six. I was like. You know, these these crowd intro, the driver intros are cool enough, and now you're going to have both crowds going nuts for these two guys. Yeah. And what, by the way, was probably one of Heat 5 is probably one of the best heat races I've ever seen. Oh, absolutely. It was like, inside, Ricky Weiss outside. was in there. Uh, gosh, I can't even remember. Yeah, who was battling for the... the, the... So looking at back at the results here for Heat 5, I'm just going to go ahead and read on Race Monitor Ricky Weiss's positions. Ricky Weiss actually finished the 15-lap heat race in second, but from lap 10 to lap... 14 his position changed every single time he went two three two four two wow so that was swapping positions back and forth between ricky weiss uh jason fager even got up there he mixed it up a little bit not with with richards and weiss he, he kind of came in after the fact but um you know him him and josh richards had an incredible battle just back and forth um and uh and if I'm not, if I'm getting my Heat Knights mixed up, forgive me, but wasn't this where Clan had trouble at the start of it? Josh Richards ended up having to go pit side on the first lap and came yeah. back and qualified. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm trying to think. Hang on a sec. Um, problem think? is there's a lot of racing. <laughs> well, there's four days in Eldora. There's a lot of well, racing to try with. Oh, who was he battling with? I think it was Tyler Herb. I can't remember who he was. I it was Tyler like Herb. That's who it was, right? And Turbo got shuffled back right at the end. Yeah, he didn't even finish, though. Like what? Ha- I can't even remember what happened to him. Did he blow a tire? I think he. Bl- oh no! I think he got in the wall or he blew with ti- blew a tire or something. Can't even remember. Yeah, but I think it was. Yeah, sorry. It was. I think it was Ricky Weiss and Tyler were battling for the lead. God, we're we gonna have to cut a lot of this out. <laughs> no, I'm gonna leave it in. This is how, this is how we actually conversate, man. Oh jeez. <laughs> um, let's move on now to the fiftieth world, and it looked like for a while. That yeah. we were going to have the sweep. Yep. It, yeah. It was looking that way. And uh, then, technically, odd year, Saturday night, mm-hmm. September, Eldora. We all should have known it was going to be Jonathan Davenport. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, you know, he just, we won the Intercontinental, he won the 2019 World, won the Intercontinental Classic. Now he moves on and wins the 50th World 100. It's, it's almost, it's almost a little bit of a, uh, no brainer almost, if you will. He just, Jonathan Davenport in, in the, in September at Eldora. I mean, just, as easy as it just it's just so it's not predictable but it's uh just makes sense you know he's just so so good there so dominant always has the car and he shows it yeah let's hear the post-race interview from jd as he picked up his fourth world 100 victory that's what right well, i was out taking pictures of the guys you beat well you knew i was in here and i mm, i did i saw the light and i was like <laughs> oh shit anyway jonathan davenport picking up your fourth globe in the last seven years and i know you said you'd never even really think you'd even get to four but here you are under three car owners now you've got four globes how impressive is this accomplishment in your record book i don't know you tell me you know to, to me was, I, I couldn't even ever dream it up like this but i, I don't know we just uh we just keep putting our head down and we're only as good as our last race is what i always feel and so i didn't i didn't win the last one so i feel like i got to win the next one um, but we just went to work today and uh, learned what we uh, took, what we learned uh, here in June and this weekend, and just applied it and just fine-tuned every piece of our race car uh, until uh, we got it right tonight. 
Now, you've won a lot of Crown Jewel or big marquee events this year. It started off in Arizona. You won the big championship there. You went up to Bristol, won 50K there. You went up to West Virginia, won another 50K there, won Cedar Lake, and now a world. How impressive has this year been for you and all of the uh, WL Motorsports team? Uh, it's been a hell of a year for sure, you know. Um, it's probably one of the best I've ever had, if not the best so far against the competition. Thank you, ma'am. You got my heart. It's cold enough. Oh, boy. Uh, so, um, hell, she brought me a beer. I didn't forgot what I was saying. Um, but about your team, about the year. Special, thank you. Well, Jeez, you're going to get him drunk. I'm trying to talk to him here. My That's God. perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it's been a hell of a year. And, you know, we're, we're just trying to keep up with Oakman. He's had a hell of a year, too. But um, we're just hanging tough. And, uh, you know, maybe we're, there'll be a few more wins for us to come. We still got still got some key events that we got circled. And uh, hopefully we can get them done. Now, as far as the race goes a little bit, you know, you had to come through the pack just a little bit and it kind of, you didn't get there right away. Of course, we, you had to, you know, come through the pack and, and deal with restarts and things like that. Uh, how was your car on lap one versus lap, you know, 80? Um, you, you never know really how good your car is to begin with, especially, you know, just, uh, uh, you got to play chess out there, you know, um, they, they reworked the track. I knew it was going to be fast and with it fast and dusty, you spin your tires that you tear them up with a tire rule. They got us on. Um, they can go away from you in a hurry. So I just, uh, well, we got to start six. So I thought I had a, a big enough buffer that I could fall back a little and run my pace. And we did. I don't know how far we fell back, but I know four or five cars probably passed us. But probably 10, 15 laps into that run, I never really changed my pace any, and everybody started coming back to me. So I, I felt like I, I'd made the right decision. And then once we kind of got spread out and uh, track started cleaning up, the, the car was just phenomenal. And I really didn't have to use a lot of gas and didn't have to use a lot of brake. You know, it just kind of drove around there itself pretty much. And But that's that's what we had worked for, you know, this whole time to, to try to get it to do. Now, of course, you took the lead, I believe it was on lap 55 or somewhere, just after halfway. Uh, lane choice seemed to be crucial there. He kind of took the top, I believe, and drove, or was it the bottom or whatever lane it was, and you went right around Overton and kind of slid him there. Uh, how were you able to make the pass? Uh, well, right, right before then, um, two cautions before that, I just got to Bobby, and I was about to pass him, and the caution come out and killed me. So then I started to start a row back, but then I got by Bobby on the next restart, and it, it, it took my car, I felt like, three or four laps to really get going. And uh, once I did, you know, I, could, I could hang out with Overton and just kind of keep pace with him. But there was certain areas of the racetrack that he was better than me. And I thought once I got in clean air that I could, you know, be just as good as him possibly, you know, j- just depending on how hard he was going. So he chose the top on the restart and uh, I got a decent run on him. And then I just tried to clear him getting in one. I figured he would slide me back, but I was just wanting to dirty his air up and make him slide his tire or something, you know, and get him out of rhythm. And I never seen him again. And then from then on, I just, on every restart we had, I just wanted to make sure I didn't give somebody else that same opportunity. And I'd pick the inside and block the slider getting in one. And then I'd go down in three and slide myself again and just try to stay straight enough that I could get back to my line by the time we got uh, back to one the next lap. On the final restarts, uh, you knew that had to have been some fields got back there. Shepard had pitted. You knew, well, I don't know if you knew had Marler had come, how far he had come from the field, 26 the second. He had to have known some chargers were back there. Did Even though with how good your car was, did you still feel like you'd be able to, to hang on for 10 more laps? Who, who knows? These restarts here are crazy. And, you know, the, the way they've got us boxed in now, like the, the other guy knows exactly where you're going to take off. So there's no way you can really get a true jump on him. 
And, you know, that's what happened with Brandon. I knew exactly where he was going to take off at within, you know, a half a car length or so. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know if I could hold Marler off because I didn't know exactly where he was running at. Um, I felt like I had a pretty good idea where Brandon was running at. So, um I'd beat him two previous time, but I thought, you know, Mauler might go up and rip the cushion one, one time and get a big run, but I don't think he did, and um, everything worked out. So just, you know, we talked about how Overton was so good at saving him stuff. The only yeah. guy that really might be just as good or better is J.D., and we saw him already do that in the USA Nationals at mm-hmm. Cedar Lake earlier this year, too. Yep. And he just played his cards cards right, and J.D.'s got Eldora figured out. There's no question yeah, about it. Absolutely. it's. Right. The, I don't think there's been a time that I've been at Eldora where Davenport didn't win at least something. I mean, it's, it's just he's been so, so dominant there. Um, he, Overton he, has been really the only guy that's been able to match him. Yeah, and Davenport's got that sort of, like, cowboy mentality where he's just – he's. It doesn't seem like anything agitates him, right? Like he's just always right. level-headed. And yep. This is what we got to do. We got to start at A. We got to finish at B. And mm-hmm. I call uh, that the farmer mentality. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. He he absolutely says he says the same thing. And and one thing it was uh, that Greg Saturday told me after he won uh, the pre his prelim feature was he was like, well, I like to take the uh, the Brandon Overton approach. He was like he lives and dies by what he's capable of doing and not doing. Right. Yep. He's, there's no games in here. There's no mental games. There's no you know none of that superstition type stuff and i feel like jd's the same way you could say the same thing about jd yeah absolutely well while davenport was impressive the guy who probably had the most impressive run in the 50th world 100 yep. has to be mike marler the blue 157 brand new longhorn for the week yep has trouble in his heat race mm-hmm. gets caught up in a wreck ends up coming through the B. I believe he qualified in the B. I don't believe he got to the, he got to the scramble. He, like, yes, he qualified. He got the last, he came all the way from 17th to get the final transfer spot. He took it from Tyler Herb uh, within the closing laps. He got to third. I was getting Moran and him messed up because Moran got through through the scramble starting in D2. Correct. But Mike, now the worst, the weird thing is we didn't know at first if he was going to get a provisional or not because he was on that fringe part because Nick Hoffman ended up pretty much Grenade in the motor yep. going across the start finish line. Yeah, which was so dif- disheartening to see. I mean, he runs so well all weekend, really showed his stuff really well. And I know I get it. I'm kind of a modified guy, so it might be, you know, wanting to see our, our guys do well. But in all honesty, even if he was or if he wasn't, he could have been from just some new rookie. He drove his heart out, you know what yeah, I mean? He, he, he really, really showed exactly how and why those Bloomquist cars are just so, so good. You can take the guys that don't even race late models full time and stick them in there qualify for all the shows you know what i mean mm-hmm. and he was going to start i think he was going to start like ninth or tenth uh because he wasn't he wasn't going to catch the leader because he, he had just passed for second uh but you know, after you know it was kind of he just got this burst of speed i was watching him on top of the media center he just got this burst of speed out of nowhere and drove around uh the guy that he passed for second and i was like wow he is flying and then two laps later he blows well, up so you know they always run the best before they, <laughs> they blow always up. run the best before they blow it's up funny because our shout our, out to uh gordy gordy gundaker gave yes. him a, a car to get in for the fe- yep. feature, right? So, yep. So, Nick did get the provisional and then he jumped in Gordy's car. Well, That's the interesting awesome. thing is they were waiting to see what Ashton Weir was going to do. That was an interesting storyline as the race was unfolding. So, previously, before the deal with Bloomquist came together, about I want to say it was mid July, it might have been a little later, my timing on that. But, yep. either way, the, the car that Nick usually raced at Eldora was the six car that Winger mm-hmm. was in this week. The auto sales car. Yep. Right. Oh, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Yep. Okay. That's so, the same car. if Ashton hadn't qualified, 
Nick would have been in that car. Correct. So he got ended up getting one of the provisional positions because of his points. Yeah. He was, I believe he was third overall in points after after uh, the Friday prelim. Right, because I think Dale McDowell got in, so that yeah. made it. Yeah, right. he was at third or fourth, but yeah. But going back to Mike Marler, Mark Marler, we got, we got away from that. Mar- Marler drove all the way up to second, and for a few minutes, I thought he was going to have enough to catch J.D., yeah. but I think he burned everything up getting to that spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will play his podium interview here in a second and, and have his comments on that. But, you know, he I don't know that I've ever seen somebody put on such a passing clinic at Eldora. I mean, and it's not like I've been going there for 30 years or whatever. So I'm sure somebody else has seen something, you know, just as oppressive. But like 26th to second. I mean, he was running like eighth, less than halfway through the race. He had passed all those cars, and he was just, he told me that, you know, they, the car had a lot of what he called, what they described as lateral grip, so side to side, so he could stick it in there in the corner, just really lean hard on the right side, um, and just, you know, while everybody was slip sliding up the track, he would he would go down and get them, and uh, you know, that's how he was able to make all those passes in a short amount of time. And one of the things, too, not to take away from anything that Mike did, this was a weird race of attrition. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that I don't remember an actual wreck in the entire 100 laps. Yeah, there. well, Stormy, I think it was Johnny Scott that had hit the wall, and then there was a few other people that had uh, that had hit the wall or something like that. I can't even remember with all the accidents that had happened there, but it was it was weird. It was, seemed like people were breaking a lot. Scott Bloomquist pulled off because he had an issue. It was, I mean, he led the first 18 laps of the race, faded back pretty decently pretty quick um and then he brought out a couple cautions he got tangled up with devin moran on that there was i think there was probably the only the closest thing they actually had to a legitimate wreck was that one spin out uh devin moran and and uh, bloomer ended up getting caught yeah. in it they spun out and won um and then a few i think it was only 10 or 12 ups later maybe uh bloomer brought out the caution on the back stretch he slowed down and just pulled into the pits but um you know, then we had, of course, Bobby Pierce, you know, kind of a sour ending to his his race. He wasn't up front at this time. He was like he was back in about seventh or eighth by the time that he dropped out. But on lap 92, he brought off the last caution uh, right on Facebook that he had a I think it was something. I think they broke a left rear wheel. Um, so I think like the rim broke or something like that. And he felt the vibration. And it was like, OK, I got to pull in before we break something. So, um, yeah, it was weird. It was a lot of things breaking and just it wasn't really like a smash up derby. No, but but again, Marler, what a great run, and let's listen to his second place interview now. Mike Marler picking up an incredible second place finish after an incredible drive here in the 50th World 100. 24 positions advanced. You started 26 and you finished second. Tell me about that run. Uh, it was fun, man. Uh, you know this this race is so many times has been mean to me, and I've had just didn't have a good car. And uh, right there, I had a really fast car. It drove right up through there, out 17th out of the B. You know from getting wrecked in that heat. So uh, just an awesome night and. Uh, it's like uh, Scott Bloomquist said that time about Jonathan having the fastest go-kart. You know, when your go-kart's slow, it sucks. Absolutely. Well, what was the difference maker from the beginning of the night where you kind of put yourself in that situation? Because remember, you started fourth. Uh, what was the difference maker from earlier on in the night where you kind of had, you know, a decent starting spot in, the, in your heat race, but then you had to run the B uh, all the way up to tonight? What did you do to your car to improve? Uh, you know, I just got to work on it many times. Thank you, Vince. Thank you. I got to work on it, you know, after that B really helped me get my car tuned in. But from, from the feature last night, then around the B feature tonight, I really had it tuned in pretty good when I rolled out for the A today. So, uh, really, it was dang good. And uh, it was really dang good, the whole, whole feature there. And just had a chance to work on it. I mean, my, my big obstacle by crashing in the heat ended up being something that really helped me by running that B. 
Now, restarts seem to be a really, really important thing here tonight. You jumped past a lot of cars off restarts. Uh, you know, was it really easy for you to get the jump, or was there some kind of secret you had up your sleeve? Uh, my car had good lateral grip, so when they would all go down in the corner and drift up the track, I could kind of stick it in there and get them. Hey, brother. Yeah, get down, my guy. No, hell no, you're good. You honestly wasn't. So, um... Uh, I just had good lateral grip, and I, while they drift up the track, I could kind of get my position and, and hold it down the straightaways. Now, you've won some big races before in your career. This one has evaded you, but uh, where does this uh, accomplishment, 26th of second, stand on your list of accomplishments? Oh, man, it's really I'm, – I'm grateful for it. You know, this this is – this track I've run like – 10th, 6th, 3rd, and horrible a bunch of times. And uh, so tonight to actually have a shot with five to go, me and Jonathan drag race down the front straightaway door to door, and he barely got me, you know, but I was I was really grateful to get a run good. And, it, it, you know, this is a big one. That's what everybody wants to win. And, and uh, I was telling Ben Shelton earlier, I'm, I'm just – I'm starting to enjoy it up here. I always kind of – it's a little too much for me. I just kind of – too much action. So many people, it, it kind of – wore me down but i'm starting to really enjoy coming here and i think that's helping too do, do people bring all of those guys beer is that what was happening in that i think no marler and uh overton for uh, so i interviewed the 50th dream winner and then the 51st winner in the media center where there was nobody around gotcha, gotcha, the gotcha. other two the, the other podium guys i interviewed right next to their car in the tech area gotcha. which is right next to the media center so they had you hear somebody dragging a jack stand across there uh-huh. you can hear people coming up and congratulating them. you know how they got they'll step in and do that um but the other guys coming in and, and just congratulate i think it was overton that came in and and, and said something to mike during that interview so cool. um but yeah they do so many drivers will come up and just you know act like bros speaking nice. of brandon overton he ended yeah. up finishing third. It yes. just completes. Hey, either way, you know, four wins would have been awesome. But to say he finished on the podium four times in all four was crazy enough. Let's oh, hear absolutely. from Big Sexy after his third place finish. Brandon Overton coming home with a third place finish here in the World 100. Not a bad run, of course. A lot of pressure on the line. Everybody was kind of picked you as the guy to beat even before we came in here on Wednesday. But you still run up with a win, one win, your very first globe, and a third. Not too shabby. Yeah, not bad. Nice. Uh, just got a little too tight. Couldn't couldn't steer in there, but. Uh, like I said, it's bound to happen. You can't win them all, you know. I said it all week. These are the best in the business. So uh, to beat them and do what I've done, hell, I ain't. I can't hang my head. Are you? You kind of sound not downtrodden, but there's just. Uh, is there? Are you relieved? Are you upset? Uh, how are you? What's how's the motion right now? Man, if you, I mean, if you win all the time, hell, you'll quit working. It, it's easy. So uh, I'm excited. I wish we could race again tomorrow. Uh, fix it and go back and get them again. Um, I said this whole weekend's been special to me. I mean, all the people and the fans and just the atmosphere here ain't nothing like it. I'm just glad to be a part of it. Now, in the beginning of the race, of course, you had to lure behind Johnny Scott for just a few laps. You kind of looked like, were you being patient first? Did you know that maybe you wanted to pass him later? Yeah, no, I I rode there for a long time Um, because I didn't really have nothing. I could watch and I could see Bobby and, you know, I seen Bobby coming one time, so I went ahead and got around Johnny and just doing my thing, trying to stay up there. I just didn't have a car right. I mean, I don't, my tires aren't really, well, I hurt my tires trying to get it to turn there at the end, but I said just a little, it don't take much here, you know, to, to be off, and we just missed it a little bit. I couldn't get, you know, my angles in there how I wanted to and leave low, so uh, that was my whole game plan, and then I didn't get it right, so. Now, was the ill-handling car what was responsible for J.D. getting down by in the restart? Yeah, I mean, he just went in there and slid us, so, I mean, it is what I, I should have been able to carry enough speed to, to block him, but I couldn't. Uh, it, it wouldn't have mattered if he had passed me on that restart. He'd have got me. He'd have got me on one of them because I couldn't. I'll, I've been choosing the bottom, but when I choose the bottom, if I'd have chose the bottom, not I probably would have drilled his ass in the wall because I couldn't. I couldn't turn. So uh, 
is what it is. It's got to go to work. I love Brandon Overton. <laughs> yeah, he's such it's a joy to talk to. His accent is very thick, and it's uh, makes him fun I, to talk to. Uh, that's he's not the worst one when it comes to that. Yeah, I know, I know. But you know, hey, it, it, like I said, great, great weekend. You know, as a whole, and you know, don't get me wrong, four days at Eldora is a lot. Yeah. I don't know about you, Jordan, but I was exhausted by the time we were all sitting Yeah, but. Yeah, I'm just so used to having to stay up to write these recaps so late as it is anyway, as long as it takes me. So I just I almost kind of feel like I'm just almost, I, during these race weekends, I kind of go nocturnal almost. It's, you know, just, that's the way it is. It's almost like drivers, you know, and, and the workers on, you know, whether it's Summer Nationals or World of Outlaws, it doesn't matter. You know, it always seems like everybody's just kind of, you know, tongue hanging out of their mouth after yeah. it comes to Eldora. And especially at the end of the season, you know, it's late nights, you know, just working. You know, sometimes you don't get a whole lot of sleep and uh, that's just the product of it. But, uh, you know, you live and you learn and improve and, um, you know, just kind of hope that things just go smoother in the future. But other than that, yeah, I'm I was I was definitely really tired the other day, but uh, it's good to come home and get I mean, some sleep. You're still probably in pretty decent condition after the hell tour. Yeah, I think so. I think <laughs> compared to what I could be, so. Well, uh, and you just you just really just slide your it's like working swing shift, right? You just slide your existence over. Exactly. I right. wake up at two in the afternoon. You don't wake up at six a.m. or whatever. Right. Exactly. So. Oh yeah, you just your body clock gets kind of shuffled there. Yeah, I don't know why, but when you, you I get done with a story at two two thirty and I'm up at seven, so it really doesn't. Yeah, I I definitely do not get up at seven, but uh, that's for sure. That's probably why I can stay up till four or five because I don't get up till nine or ten. But as Mick knows, I'm also in here like in the office before most people every day. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. true. Early risers, eh? but I also leave at five most days too. That's true. I usually don't leave till about five thirty or six at the earliest. So, yeah, I uh, guess that pretty much wraps it up, huh? Let me take a thing. Um, that's an that's an hour on the world. Hour in the world? Okay. If that's an hour, <laughs> then you've got an hour. Well, wrap it up for us, Mike. Well, that was a hey. Good to have Jordan Delucia in here as always. The World 100, the crown jewel. It's over. Yeah, but it is. It was a fun time. We we got a lot more racing still left to go here in 2021. That's for sure. Absolutely. It's such a bittersweet feeling. Um, once the world comes to a close because you know that, well, fall is here. There's a little ch fall chill in the air. Yep. And uh, you can kind of hear some of the fall events calling or calling your names. You know, World Finals is not far away. It's right around the corner. For super the, Dirt Week uh, is like in a couple say, weeks. Four days at Eldora feels like mini Super Dirt Week to me. Oh, yeah. well. Uh, talk, try talking to the Hell Tour guy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, has he ever done six days racing in a row? We should do that. We should do like um, wife swap, but do PR coordinator swap for a week. Oh, God. That would be nuts. No, because then I got a room with Ruben. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, Maybe you Ruben? end up on the sprint cars, though. No. Nah. <laughs> I tell you what, rooming, rooming with Ruben is not bad. He's definitely a preferable roommate for sure. You definitely don't want to have somebody that's going to uh, snoop through your stuff or doing whatever, you know. Making a mess. People, exactly, making them, just being, you know, whatever. So The it, worst is when you get a random guy. Uh, for Bristol, <clears throat> he may be listening to, turned out to be a, a like a great dude, this uh -huh. camera guy. But I had no idea who this person was. Just I'm sitting on the bed, and all of a sudden, some dude walks in. He's like, hey, I'm your roommate. I'm like, okay, this is weird. Hi, how are you? <laughs> hey, uh, nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's part of this life, man, traveling, and you just got to make do. Yeah, it is. But we've got some really exciting events coming up in the fall, yep. namely the start of the Dryden Extreme Deer Car Series third Tour starting with the blue gray or starting with the uh, actually the Palmetto State 50 at Lancaster, South Carolina. Nice. Then it's going to go to the uh, blue gray 100. Um, I believe that's about two weekends after the world finals here at Charlotte. So, um, definitely going to want to be tuning in uh, for yep. that on Division presented by Dry Dean. Yeah, and we'll be doing a little 
preview show for Extreme here probably in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and look ahead to that. And esports. The return of Dirt Car Esports season four. I'm excited. It's when you I get just to be give a, me the point being right official. Now. Oh yeah, okay. This are so you talking comp- about the guy compete? who's never played before? What? You gonna I'm compete? gonna try. I've never done iRacing before. So. Oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. Just, just uh, remember, they're fake cars. It's all the internet. Nobody gets hurt. Yeah, you can drive as dirty as you want. But they will talk to shit to like you that. on and offline. That's right. Exactly. There's no consequences. All you got to no do, you just cons- yelling at people over the internet. It's all a bunch of ones and zeros. Anyway, we gotta go. This has gone way over time. <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. Stop by anytime. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's good to have Jordan Delucia on Stick Signals. Thank you very much. Jordan obviously does a lot of great work uh, with the Dirt Car Summer Nationals. It was a joy to work with. Anyway, race fans, we have to thank our friends at Manscaped. Fantasy football draft season is here, and we got to beat around the bush. The leader in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front offense has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code stick signals 21 this will help you tame that troy palomalu in your pants so there you go that's uh the manscape for the weekend uh store.worldofoutlaws what's fun about that is 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 troy palomalu hasn't played in so long i'm familiar with him because i haven't followed football in like seven years that so. being said that being said <laughs> I, I do think any race fan that follows football knows who troy is yeah i mean it's a so fair it's reference not it's a fair reference. Oh, and, that's awesome. And and fans just found out that we actually do sit here and listen to Ruben <laughs> read these <laughs> ad reads. It's, it's the best 30 seconds of my day, that's for sure. Yeah, the 30-second uh, read usually takes about 10 minutes. <laughs> that, that is We, we got to come up with bloopers of this. Like, oh, uh, Most of the bloopers aren't fit for air. Uh, anyway, speak, speaking, speaking of fun stuff, you know, we talked about the World 100 before we go. I want to mention... You know, the Dirt Vision team putting out some content. And um, I'm just going to say two words. Ashton, yeah, you just got to go watch it. That's all I can say at this point. We may be off this weekend with the World of Outlaws Morton Building's late model series, but that doesn't mean Dirt Vision presented by Dryden doesn't have you covered. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff you can watch on there. Uh, Wednesday night, Millbridge Speedway. Catch that. And then third uh, Friday, sorry, the 17th, Jacksonville Speedway has you covered. And then Saturday, uh, the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series are live along with Millbridge as well. And uh, the Land of Legends uh, with the Super Dirt Car Series as well. Followed by the uh, 21st, that's on Tuesday, you have Millbridge. And uh, yeah, Millbridge next week as well. So there you go. Dirt Vision presented by Dryden. Go check it out. Download the app and get that Dirt Vision Fast Pass. We thank you all so much for joining us here on episode 30 a good little milestone episode 30 eh? that's a good one so thank you all so much for joining us and uh, a lot more to come next week as next week is race week but for now we'll uh, sign off thank you all so much for joining us here on stick signals